You are listening to First in Human, where we interview industry leaders and investors to learn about their journey to inhuman clinical trials. Presented by Vile, a tech-enabled CRO. Hosted by co-founder and CEO Simon Burns. With episodes launching weekly on Tuesdays and Thursdays. For episode 16, we speak to Alicia Levy, COO at Pioneer Immunotherapeutics. Find out a common mistake among small biotech and why you should invest in the relationships with people on the other side of the table as much as you're making sure your program is well positioned. Thank you so much for joining us today on First in Human. It's great to be here, Simon. Maybe to kick it off, we'd love to hear a quick introduction and your background, how you got into the space and what led you to Pioneer. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, sure. So scientists by training, I did my PhD at Stanford in cancer biology kind of realized pretty quickly that I didn't want to do academic science <laughs> and then made a transition to BCG, did an on-the-job MBA. From there, went to Versa Ventures and was on the investment team there for almost nine years, actually, starting from investing and then moving into company operations and worked at several companies leading business development and then um, left to go to Pioneer three and a half years ago because I fell in love with the science and the team and um, have been there ever since. Awesome. Let's talk about the science. Myeloid tuning, very buzzy, very interesting. Tell us more. What compelled you about the science? Myeloid tuning is really the brainchild of Max Crummel, our scientific founder. He's a UCSF professor. He actually did a lot of the work in Jim Allison's lab. So Jim Allison's a, a Nobel laureate to identify CTLA-4, which was one of the first immuno-oncology targets the first set of immuno-oncology targets were mostly targeting the T-cell, basically one arm of the immune system. And so Max realized that, you know, we had this whole other arm of the immune system, the myeloid compartment that we're not leveraging, we're not targeting it. And so if we really want to fully harness the potential of the immune system, we can't just rely on one arm of the immune system. We need to leverage both. And so he started in his lab to identify targets that are exquisitely expressed in the tumor immune microenvironment on the surface of myeloid cells. And that was basically the birth of Pioneer. So the first two programs, our TREM1 and TREM2 programs, were identified by some of that early work. And then we've moved those programs into the clinic. Uh, they're currently in phase 1B expansion studies. And then now we have a whole slate of other programs that we're developing behind that. Our third program, Marco, is a novel program that we are hoping to put into the clinic this year. YT65, right? You guys talked about That's that. right. <laughs> Maybe tell us more about um, 2023 for Pioneer. What several programs in the clinic have lots more behind it. What gets you excited and what do you look forward to? We're really hoping that Gilead collaboration continues to move along well and ideally comes to fruition. Our Marco program, we're thrilled to be advancing a third program, a Milotune program into the clinic. And that program is actually unique and differentiated from the first two programs. Marco is what's called a scavenger receptor. So it's a receptor that sits on the surface of myeloid cells, mostly macrophages. And its normal function is basically to scan the environment for pathogens and help clear out those pathogens. But for reasons that are really understood, we have found, and others have found actually, so there's, it's quite well published at this point, that there are very high levels of Markno expression in the tumor immune microenvironment and multiple different tumor types. And that expression actually increases as the stage of the cancer increases. 
we reasoned that if we develop an antibody that targets Marco, that we could actually potentially stimulate the immune system by targeting that receptor. And then that would lead to downstream immune activation, so hijacking its normal function for clearing pathogens, but use it to help clear tumor cells. And so basically what we did with Pi265. So Pi265 is a first-in-class monoclonal antibody targeting Marco, and it basically functions as an immunomodulatory reprogrammer, mostly of tumor-associated macrophages. We studied it in mice. We've shown that it's safe um, in non-human primates. Now it's basically off to the races moving into the clinic. Uh, let's talk about BD. Let's talk about partnerships, the important stuff that is leading all things doing deals at biotech companies. I'm curious what small biotech companies do do incorrectly mistakes they make and what, what do you think have been keys to the success in your gym making? This is a really big question. <laughs> but I think one common mistake I see is actually that people aren't focusing on the underlying human relationships that are needed to get a deal done. Obviously, people focus on who are the pharmas that we should be speaking to, how might our drugs combine with their pipeline. Obviously, your job is to get the best deal possible. And I think sometimes people forget that to get any deal done, you really have to have trust. And to get the best terms possible, especially if you're trying to do a collaboration, you need to build that trust as you're actually doing the deal. And so you should invest in the relationships with the people on the other side of the table as much as you're investing in making sure your pitch deck is perfect and making sure that your program is well positioned. I've always seen that as my job as a head of business development is to make sure that I am at every step along the way, making sure that I'm building a relationship and building trust. And that is good for the company. At the end of the day, it helps you maximize value on both sides, but it actually is good for your career as well, because you can continue to leverage those relationships, maybe at your next company or maybe on your next deal. Let's talk about the IO field. Let's talk about immuno-oncology. Incredibly productive. Five years. Talk about Jim Allison. We've now seen the fruits of a lot of the early stage academic labor yep. come to bear. What are the next five years come to bear for immuno-oncology? If I could predict that, I wouldn't have to have a day job anymore, but... <laughs> <laughs> I do have a couple of thoughts, and some of them are, of course, biased based off what we're working on. I do think that one of the next breakthroughs in immuno-oncology will be leveraging this whole other arm of the immune system, the myeloid space. I fundamentally believe that we'll have to do more than just targeting T-cells and NK cells to increase the number of patients that have meaningful responses to IO therapies. Right now, 30% of patients have a response or their tumor is even treatable with an IO therapy. And then the percentage of patients that actually respond is even smaller. So at the end of the day, we're, we're really only helping maybe 10 to 12% of all cancer patients with these therapies. And so while this is the next big thing in cancer treatment, we're still really only tackling this very small percentage. And so that's why I think expanding the immune cell types that we're bringing to bear are going to be really important. I mean, I think that next generation CAR therapies are obviously going to play a role, whether it's next generation CAR T therapies or the upcoming CAR and K or CAR Ms. I also think that there's going to be a role for multifunctional antibodies, new bispecific antibodies containing unique payloads, including immunomodulators. So I think those are going to be some of the interesting things to watch. 
you've gone through a few different interesting career transitions, obviously getting the MBA, uh, coming from academic medicine. How, how did you think about those? And what advice do you have for kind of younger folks in their career thinking about each of those transitions, going to business school, taking a, a biotech path, et cetera? I actually did a PhD and then I didn't go to business oh. school. I did an on-the-job MBA for almost three years. If I think about advice I would give to people when thinking about their career, I think one of the hardest things to do and actually act upon is recognizing when it might be time to move on from something. Speaking of how both of us are podcast geeks, I listen to Stephen Dubner's People I Mostly Admire podcast, and he talks a lot about quitting and how people don't quit enough. And I think that he's absolutely right. It's really hard for those of us who want to always be achieving and and especially those of us who are super loyal, it's really hard for us to think about when is it the right time for me to say, hey, I'm not learning anymore, or maybe this isn't the best situation for me to continue to grow and deliver what I need to deliver to this company. And maybe it's time to, to move on and grow into a new role. That's the thing that I found to be the hardest, but also the most important thing, career growth. Last question for you. I thought we think a lot about clinical trial infrastructure. We think a lot about CROs. Uh, we think a lot about applications of technology that can make trials more efficient. Where do you see room for technology to help drive clinical trial efficiency? And, and maybe just give us a backdrop about some of the past experiences you've had bringing trials and key lessons there. As you and I have discussed previously, this is an area that's so clearly ripe for disruption, right? One of the make or breaks for a company of our size is how fast can we get a trial running? How fast can we enroll? Every month, we're looking at our burn rate, right? Speed is clearly critical. Getting sites open, getting those patients identified, getting them enrolled. That's one of the areas I see is most ripe for disruption, most need of technology solutions, because clearly what we've been doing in the past isn't meeting the needs of especially small companies today. With that, thank you so much for joining us and for winning the award for best recording backdrop, which is highly <laughs> solid. Yes. <laughs> thank you. Appreciate the time. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Be sure to follow us on Apple, Spotify, and Google 